Hello, everybody. Today, I am sharing a special find that I got to meet on Saturday. Charles Chadwick is here to talk about uh, something very important. It circles around money and everybody loves money, uh, but you have a very niche down objective in your mission. So we're going to talk about student loans and debt and uh, take it from that perspective. So welcome to the show, Charles. Thanks for having me, Bobby. It's my pleasure. So why don't you kick us off with a little about yourself, personal, so my audience can get to know you, and then what your big mission and purpose is. Well, I would say it's a small mission, but it can have a big impact what I'm trying to do. Just an everyday person, there's nothing uh, special about me. Uh, I grew up in North Carolina, country guy, grew up on a farm. Both of my grandparents on my mom and dad's side were sharecroppers. One interesting fact about me that is the reason I had some success while going to college is that my father had a plumbing business. And at an early age, I was exposed to, you know, business, you know, how to cut costs, supply and demand, things like that. And I learned the trade of plumbing from my dad. Um, So just like anybody else, uh, I graduated in 2003. I grew up in the generation that only one thing was preached in school, and that was to go to college, go to college. Even if somebody had a business idea at the age of 18, them teachers shot it down and said, you can't do it without college. We now know that's not true with Silicon Valley and, you know, the Zuckerbergs and even Mike Tyson, high school dropout, whatever you're passionate at, if you stick to it and surround yourself around the right people, you can accomplish it. So uh, just to sum it up, uh, graduated from high school, hated school, took a year off, believe it or not. I didn't do anything but just work. And after working, helping my dad with the plumbing business, I said, okay, I'm missing out something in life. I want to find development. So I ended up going to a community college, um, got an associate's in electronic servicing, and then transferred to a university and got a bachelor's in mass media communication. Wow. I wanted to mic drop you right there with the opening about the teachers, you know, not advocating. Uh, My 17-year, well, she's going to be 18 tomorrow, but my mother used to tell my 18-year-old niece, work smarter, not harder, go to school, forget boys. Like that was the mantra in the house. And now on my journey, I'm like, I don't know that I necessarily want her to go to college. I want her to be happy. So I love that you're focused on this. I do have one little, one little thing I want to call out that I didn't agree with. You said I'm not special or something to that effect. And you're very special and I'm honored to meet you. So only positive self-talk. That's one of my that right. was just me trying to stay humble, you know. <laughs> I know. Well, I can remove your humility. I'm allowed to do that. So I love this. Now, I got to meet you for the audience's sake. I got to meet you in a, you had two minutes to kind of tell me all yeah. about you. And you did an excellent job. And your energy just showed up through the camera. So I, I want to acknowledge that. And I thought it was so interesting, especially when you told me about the plumbing business and then yeah. the college debt. So you've seen it through both lens. Exactly. The trades and the college industry. Um, I guess what could make me unique is that I have both. I have two degrees, but guess what? I'm more, I have found more success through the skill that I learned for free. And that was from the trade industry. My father teaching me plumbing. I had the experience before college, during college, and now after college. And I know that's where we're kind of at as a nation you know, trades or college, you know, it's like college, college, college was pushed. You have a lot of people with degrees now, but in the trade industry, it's kind of like a stepchild. We've kind of forgot about it. And now to me, that would be the next uh, industry that is needing people seriously. Minorities, women, everybody, the trade industry is where it's at. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm an ex truck driver. And when when you said that, it's like, yeah, that is where the demand is. Jobs that produce results, not just sitting behind the computers. <laughs> Sorry, that sounded way bad. Did your dad go to college? No, he did not. High school education. His story is interesting, too, if I could put a spin on it, you know, uh, like most young people. And when you grow up in a small town, I grew up in a small town, all you can know or maybe see is what you see locally. 
if I could just encourage the audience, read that. That's exactly what motivated me to get out of my hometown is reading. Once I read stories about other people being successful, I knew that there was more than just where I was at. And I love North Carolina. That's where I was born and raised. But my father, uh, he just was in the right place at the right time. He was on a construction site as a general laborer. You know, general laborer, you're sweeping, you're cleaning, you're doing maybe some physical work, moving center blocks, carrying materials. And the plumbing contractors had a fallout. A lot of plumbers quit on a big job site. And my dad said, the plumber superintendent said, if anybody will stay, we will teach you plumbing right here, right now. And that's how my dad got into plumbing. And it has treated him very well. Uh, he'll be 70 years old this year and still can't find enough helpers and workers. And he's been in it since 1978. Wow. I think one of the questions I asked you on Saturday was, is there a benefit like to being an entrepreneur in the trade world? And you were avidly yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you can see the book behind me, uh, it's a yellow book. Um, you can find it on Amazon. It's called Chadwick Cultivated Circumstances. Experience is priceless. And in the book, I debate something. Experience is free. But to get licensed or to come certified, that's where you talk about spending money. But if you learn a trade, there's ways around it. You could set up a, a, a maintenance uh, company within plumbing, depending on what the work is, you don't even need a license if you're doing minor repair work. So you could start uh, a repair company and all you do is maybe change out faucets, you know, it's so many different ways. And in the trade industry, um, it's great. You know, um, I knew a lot of people that had, you know, felonies um, while they were in prison. You could still own your own business and, you know, nobody will question what you you know, done in your past, lest they do their homework. It's, it's definitely a way to uh, start a business very, very quickly. And even if you're not a fully book business, you could just contract yourself out as a repairman. I do drywall or I do uh, sheetrock work. It's so many ways that you can just start making money. And one thing I like to say about the trades, without any skills, your first day, you're going to get paid versus, you know, college, you're spending almost four years. And unless you have a hustle mentality, you're sitting in a classroom, you're getting the knowledge to prepare. But with trades, without any skill set, anybody can go to an electrical company, plumbing, HVAC, and they're going to hire you. You're going to start out at the bottom, but you're going to get paid that first day at your job, whether you know anything or not. So on the flip side, if somebody's hurting, they need to make a mortgage payment and they don't want to work forever, just go learn a trade for 30 days and then quit. If that's what you want to do, you're still going to get paid. So are you from, and I know that you're tailoring this for my audience, so I appreciate that. Are you hell-bent one side or the other, trade versus college? Because when I hear you talk, it sounds like you favor trade more than college. Is that a fair statement? No, uh, if there's any goal I have, I want to represent both sides. I believe in duality in life, you know, uh, the good and bad, up, down, left, right. And it's no secret during this pandemic, a lot of people who had office jobs were not deemed essential. Um, typically in rough economies, statistically speaking, electrical, HVAC, plumbing, these trades survive regardless of a recession a pandemic, trades is always going to be here. If you really think about it, you look about it. And one thing that I put in my book, my uncle was a carpenter when I was little. He said, Charles, even if the government or whatever, they make some reason we don't build any more new buildings, no new homes. Guess what? All the existing building and structures are going to need repairs. He said, that's why I want you to learn to trade you know, what your father is trying to teach you, go and learn. So um, I just want to represent both sides of the coin. And it's only because, like I said, in high school, I witnessed teachers downplaying everything. Your parents ain't happy because they didn't go to college. I feel like college has been packaged so well as a product that people who would normally be successful, they just trust their heart. Or if they like trades, they like working with their hands, just do that. It still makes you feel a little incomplete versus the 
verbatim that was thrown at us while we're in school in a learning environment. And it's no secret, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, Grant Cordon, everybody knows in school, the number one thing they don't teach you really is money. Um, so so I want to represent both, you know. I want I want to give the trade industry a voice to young people that, hey, you don't have to have a degree to be successful. If you want to go make money, I've, I've worked on millionaire homes uh, in a place called Top Cell Island Beach, waterfront property, million-dollar homes. I've done some plumbing work in there with my dad. I, I love what you represent. And I just, I wanted to ask that question for clarity and I'm with you because I see the value in both, but you just got me thinking, and this hadn't occurred to me until you just said it right now, we're going through this housing crisis, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So that's just more proof of exactly what you're saying is there's not enough people or going into that and, and helping, which is we're all experiencing this inflation and turmoil and all the things that are going on. So that was a super call out. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah. It, it's funny. You have my wheels going in so many different directions because I have uncles that were painters. You know, uh, I've grown up in grocery mostly. So you start thinking about the apprenticeships with meat cutters. I, I always played in floral. And for whatever reason, they don't think of florists as a skilled trade, which I do not understand. They don't look at it the same way as a meat cutter but you can't take a cashier and have a slice meat or make a floral arrangement. Right. Um, yeah. So it, all these trades are kind of hiding in everywhere. And my journey took me to college as an adult learner. And I found it to be very complimentary, right? So I could work in a store, but then I needed to know some of the business stuff to move up in the company. Then fast forward my mission. I'm finding that learning online now is yeah. another whole Avenue. Right. Yeah. I, I asked you before we went on live, you know, how did you get your books published 10 years ago? I don't think people could do that independently. Um, yeah. Information's just everywhere. So do you want to talk about that third element as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, during this pandemic, I have learned to open my mind up. So I just want to add something to you before I answer your last question about being a florist. Any young person that's working here now, or if you're a parent and your child say you want to be a florist, there's no money in that. The idea, romantic relationships are going to exist till the end of time. So flowers, we know Valentine's Day, birthday, but also too, even on the funeral side, people do decorate and send some expensive flowers. So what I'm learning is if somebody's passionate something, there's a, there's a customer base for that. And if it's not, you create it. And you can see behind me, that's what these books are for. You know, you're not going to get rich publishing a book unless it goes viral. But I honestly wrote these books from my heart because I want to help people. And you're right. To publish a book, it was very, very, very simple. Um, I was very blessed. I have an uncle. Uh, His name is Wilbert Brower. He's uh, written a couple books. They're on Amazon. And he was married into my family. And that's how I learned how to write books after hearing him. And seeing him publish books, um, he has a passion for children and the youth. And that's kind of who was my uh, guidance during this process. I feel like this, too. If you're a college student and you're struggling, write a book. Talk about your feelings and your emotions, what it's like to have this debt over your head. Or if you majored in a good major and you made money during the pandemic, talk about that. Because at the end of the day, books are just ideas and thoughts that past civilizations, current civilization, and future civilization will be talking about. So with the technology we have today, I published two books in less than two years. I only got inspired to write during the pandemic. I've always kept a journal, and that comes from listening to motivational speakers. Jim Rohn was one of the first people that I ever heard to write your thoughts down. So when it comes to writing a book, a lot of people say, well, I don't know. Where do I start? You just start with a piece of paper and pen, write down your thoughts. If you're passionate about something, keep looking and writing about it. And before you know it, you would have wrote a whole book. You'll go back and say, I see how this can be the introduction. This can be chapter one. This can be the conclusion. But with the technology we have to write a book, it was very, very simple and affordable. Um, It didn't cost much at all to uh, publish a book. You know, you register with the Library of Congress. And that was about it. Send them a copy and then you're putting it on Amazon. A lot of people are saying, don't put it on Amazon. But me, I'm a little bit, 
I don't want to say lazy, but I'd rather let Amazon worry about shipping and packaging it, even if they take a cut. But a lot of independent self-authors keep 100% of that profit, but they're doing the shipping, the printing of the book and doing all the work. Yeah, those are great points. And congratulations. I mean, I think there's so many people out there that want to write books and they only get to such and such a point you know, and give up or they start having that imposter syndrome. And, and that's a whole other, you know, conversation. Um, I was fortunate. I took an online class with it. It was called the 30 day book writing challenge. And someone wow. coached us on how to write a book in 30 days. And it's totally doable for that organizational stuff. So that's the exploration of what's out there. You got me so excited about so many topics, but I want to give you an opportunity to really talk about your expertise with this, you know, college debt, the yeah. trade school. Let's let's talk about the money. Let's get into okay. what you've accomplished and what you want the world to know. Okay. If anything, I would say just reading a lot of the news articles here lately, it seems like not for all, but what I've been seeing on the news, it seemed like nobody understood the the student loan structure or what they were uh, possibly getting into uh, with me. And I'll give you the background story. Working with my dad, he taught me a lot of responsibility. Um, so by the time I got ready to go to college, I kind of knew what I was getting into. And there's an interesting story. My dad refused to co-sign my loan to go to college. And I guess in his mind, I've never asked him this question, but maybe he was thinking, hey, you're old enough to make your own decisions. You know, you're in your early 20s. Um, you should have had credit established by now. And I guess with him, he gave me trades and uh, he felt like if you want to go off and go into college, I've given you an opportunity to make money in this lifetime. Anything else you want to do, that's on you, son. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't out of respect. I appreciate him doing that to me because the moment he did that, I start learning how to cut costs. And that's what my Chadwick's college checklist is about. It's about how to cut costs. And I started writing this book in 2014, believe it or not. During the pandemic, I had some time. I went through some old hard drives and I said, wow, I started this book and I never finished it. But I think I was right on the money as I published it because student loans are a big deal. So what happened is one night, I just, I always listened co-workers where I work at, what parents and stuff is saying. I kept hearing about student loans, $100,000 in debt, $250,000 in debt. And I'm like, what? Did they get uh, you know, a double doctorate or is this just for a bachelor's? So I started consciously going back and seeing how did I get out of you know getting two degrees for about $18,000. And when I did that, I realized that starting out at a community college is very beneficial for those who maybe didn't get enough scholarship or grants or you don't have a dime. One thing about me, I didn't, my parents, I didn't save a dime, but I got through college by cutting costs using my mind. So if you start out with a community college, number one, you're going to miss out on two big fees, which is room and board and that meal plan. And that could equal thousands of dollars for consistently going to a big university for four years. But if you just look at two years at a community college, what you're getting, transferable credits, you're not paying room and board, you're not paying the meal plan fee. Uh, if you have good parents and they appreciate your hard work, maybe they let you stay there rent free. I got to stay rent free during my uh, two years, as long as I was doing something productive. There's no way my parents would allow me to stay you know, and not do anything. But I really think we learn math in school. And to me, my logic is if a community college is in indeed 100% cheaper than going to the four years of college, why don't many people do that? And I guess it's because passion community colleges could also be looked down upon. But my thing is when it comes to math and me paying for something, I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna go for what's cheaper because I am learning to invest in myself now. But when it comes to a loan, something that I have to repay back, I'm going to go and get the best bang for my buck. So that's one way that I cut costs was the community college. And a lot of people don't want to go to a community college. Would it be okay if I share what I learned about that? Because it's kind of oh, yeah. 
So I went to community college partially because it was accessible and I had tuition reimbursement, some of it through school. So it made sense. But here's what I don't hear people talking about. And and this is what I told my niece and I got her to change from the whole four year to community is the first couple of years you're doing math, English, science, all those general electives. And we're not talking about that with the kids. Like, let's give them some credit and have them understand that whether it's $50,000 a year or $10,000 a year tuition, it's the same thing. Exactly. You may hear the argument, the college experience and blah, blah, blah. And and maybe that's the priority, but from a money perspective and from a learning, the learning is no different. And I actually think with all the adjunct, you know, it's kind of like the online learning stuff, right? All the adjunct people that run the community colleges and that are teaching there, I think that you can almost get more bang for your buck, in my humble opinion. And I only know a little bit, but I just had to call out the gen ed piece. So I'm sorry, please continue. Well, well, I'd just like to expand on uh, what you just said. College is an experience. And when it comes to a loan, you have something that's called tangible, which would be like a car loan. That physical property of the car is a tangible asset. Mm. Or if you take out a loan for a house, that physical house structure is tangible. But what college is, is intangible. So when people say, forgive these loans, it would be simple if they say, okay, if you just turn in your earned diploma and you can't put down, you majoring in this no more, then fine, we'll do it. But college is intangible. Um, if anybody can look up the word, I defined it in my book. Intangible is just merit off good, good will, good spirit. And I laugh because in high school, teachers always say, your education is priceless. Your education is priceless. Once you earn it, nobody can take it away. So I, it's kind of ironic and it's like a cliche now. We see education is priceless for those who, who believe in their self and say, hey, I took out $200,000. I'm going to get a job paying $400,000. I'll pay these loans back in you know, one or two years. And unfortunately, it doesn't you know, work like that. So college is an intangible uh, experience. So if a parent can really understand that, you know, we have a whole lifetime to grow and experience. But if you're in this situation and finances is a major role, I highly recommend don't overlook community college. But for the person who got all the scholarships and grants, sure, go right ahead to the four year university. But to me, if the scenario I give in my book, let's say four years is 10,000 a year, but a community college associates is only 5,000. You mean to tell me somebody that has a budget, or as a parent, you're setting your child up for success, not so much debt. You would still rather pay that extra twenty thousand for two years versus maybe paying five thousand for two years at a local community college. So, I, I believe we all have to do the math, you know, when it comes to finances, and that's what happened to me unconsciously. And another good thing about the community college. I went in 2004 and 2006. It's called Coastal Carolina Community College. I don't know if it's the same everywhere else, but I didn't have to pay the money up front. I only had to put a deposit down as long as I kept a certain grade level. And by maybe three-fourths of the semester, I could finish making my payment. So I didn't even have to come out of pocket that much. And I was able to work and pay and go to college and avoid some debt. Another thing struck me as you were talking. So thank you for all this mental stimulation. You were talking about the community college versus university. I'll call it for lack of a better word. Here's something that I see, and I'm not sure if you can speak to this because your story is a little different, but maybe with some of your clients or people that you've chatted with, this is what I've seen. The 50, 60, 70 year olds people that I know that have kids that are getting ready for college the parents are taking on that responsibility for one thing, right? Which I don't agree with. I agree with what your father I don't agree did. with you, yeah. um, Because it should, it is part of the learning. You need to teach them the responsibility. Now I've seen people produce good kids that have paid for it. But here we are in this climate where these 50 and 60 year olds don't have enough money to retire and take care of their own needs, right? And I guess that's the whole parental trait, but they don't have their own 
situations. They still have mortgages they're going to be paying on for another 20 years. They Social Security is shrinking. Again, the inflation thing. So this is more than just about the kids, I think, and, and this mindset. And I don't, do you think this belongs on my real and Lay it on me. I'm ready. Well, this, this belongs more on my real and raw show than it does probably here. But do you think that it's ego driven and keeping up with the Joneses? Do you think that's what it's about? Oh, yeah. Me, <laughs> I had a conversation with somebody that's very special to me. And we were talking and I said, I just can't understand why people wouldn't cut costs. She said, Charles, when somebody is passionate, you're not going to be able to stop them. When they're passionate, passion goes. And then later on, you might think about what did you just, you know, sign up for? So I think that's what it is, you know. And and also, too, I'm not afraid to say this. A lot of the, the people that are successful, you know, the Kiyosaki Grant Cordon, they're really telling the truth uh, within the United States. Well, I can only speak on North Carolina. I'm not, I'm learning to be within where I grew up at. Money didn't even come up in high school. I think right now everybody is awoken. I saw an article that Florida is making an economic class for a high school student. I, I think that's great. We need to do that as a nation because if you understand money, you, you, you it, it, it will help you out. And I'm not saying to sell your soul, but even for a lot of people that maybe grew up in poverty. If you could say a plumber will make, an apprentice will make $50,000, you're not going to get in debt, you're going to learn a skill. And once you learn plumbing or any type of trade, you're going to get side work. And that's why I want, even if college students are struggling right now to make your payments, get into a trade. You're going to learn a lifetime earning skill. And the way I feel like it, this economy, and it's always been this way, the economy, you know, it's fall, winter, summer, spring. But right now, for class of 2022, if I was a parent, I, I can't honestly say that I would push cut. What I would say is you need to learn something to make money. And who knows, maybe in the next two years, three years, the economy will turn around. If you want to go to college, then you'll have money saved. You'll understand finances better. And things will look a little bit different right now. But far as right now, I think for many people, Earning some type of income is the priority. And I believe people can get that through the trades. But you're right. It's ego driven. And I'm not going to lie to you, Bobby. I've seen big time money in trades, working with different contractors and seeing the big money. But I've never been bought. Um, nobody can buy me. But the fact that it was shoved in my brain, go to college, I, like, I don't feel successful, even though I was doing pretty good, you know, right out of high school with just learning plumbing from my dad. but it was such a push and then drill into our brains that it's kind of a psychological thing about college. So many people feel that they earned a degree, but now degree meets reality. <laughs> you can get a degree, but if you don't have ambition and passion at what you're doing, you know, that degree is just, it's just a tool. You know, I'm talking about trades. A degree is just a tool. And as many of us work other jobs, we've seen people that were unqualified that do get the job because they knew somebody, you know, but by all means, doctors, lawyers, attorneys, those specialized field. Yes, you need all the training and skill. But some of these, if I had a degree in uh, paper towel decorating, that doesn't exist. But that's just an example to show with some of the degrees. I mean, what could I do with that unless you're on TikTok and maybe you do a private dinner party for somebody, you know, I think people really need to understand finances more, you know, and it's not the school responsibility. I've read so many books. It's not the school's responsibility. Um, and a parent only knows what they know. So I think with this age, what me and you are doing right now, the only goal I have is that somebody could see it, whether it's a parent or a child, and they're going to get that spark in their mind to uh, think outside the box. Yeah, uh, I, I took notes over here because there's things I didn't want to forget. You are just on fire with what you're sharing. So I am definitely a student of Grant and I am 40. I'm going to be 48 years old and I'm just starting to understand what he's saying after listening for a couple of years, plus some other money mindset and the books, um, rich, pet, rich dad, poor dad. I just exactly that. That was the first book that changed my life. It, it was it was definitely very interesting. Rich dad. Poor, I highly recommend that one. That was the first book that changed my life. And again, as I said earlier, 
reading is where it's going to change your life. The more you read and you hear about others succeeding, you're going to look back at yourself and say, well, why can't this happen to me? If it happened to so-and-so, then it can happen to me. And that is what sparked me was reading. I, I don't even watch TV like that no more. I used to, I grew up watching Michael Jordan, but hey, I, I didn't even watch the finals. I watched the highlights later because I'm so involved with reading and getting the information I need to succeed. Yeah. Well, I, I love that you bring this up and I'm going to go down a whole different other rabbit hole here for a second. Too, Let's do but, it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, well, so one of the things that Grant says and I think I just bought a sweatshirt. It says, who's got my money? And you really came full circle bringing him up again. Cause earlier, like when we first kicked it off, you're like, everybody needs a house bill. Everybody needs these things. The money is everywhere. It's not like there's a shortage of money. And, um, it's a mindset thing. We don't have to settle. And oh, by the way, we don't need to be driving the latest and greatest. It just sits outside anyway. Like what, what value does it bring to your life if it's tearing you up? And now this is where I'm going with this, this being hard on ourselves, these kids, right. And they're comparing themselves to the other ones who got accepted. And we've talked about the pandemic. So now there's this whole other underlying thing about self-care and confidence and depression. And is this now leading to drugs? And like all the way back to my addiction world, as I'm hearing these things, trying to think of it through the lens of all this pressure on these parents and on these kids. And we have issues with suicide and addiction and all of this stuff. It's now, now, now I'm happy you brought up that S word suicide. Um, another interesting thing about me um, my perspective is just not through a United States lens. I've traveled all around the world and one interesting place was South Korea. You know, there was so much uh, over there, uh, that culture. The suicide is because they didn't make an A sometimes versus in America. The suicide sometimes is tied to I grew up in poverty. I don't have. This time, and I'm not going to mention any companies because they'll sue, but I don't have this shoe. And we have people over the image that the television is showing. But once you travel around this world, I've been to some countries that the values were totally different. I feel here in America, we're image driven, you know. Um, and when you're in high school, you, you're really just trying to follow everybody else. But here's the interesting thing, as Earl Nightingale has taught me, you can only be who you supposed to be. It's very hard to pretend or try to follow or be someone else. So that is interesting. You know, I feel like here, uh, maybe some of the bullying and all that comes from not having a certain brand or image versus in other countries. There is real pressure to perform and get A's. If not, the family will, you know, disown you, not want to be around you. It, it's, it's a different pressure structure as far as education and other countries. And then here it's about image. Yeah, it's just scary. And I think everything's bubbling up all at the same time. Like you said, the conversations are starting to be had about money. Um, the conversations are starting to be had about mental health. There's just, there's a, it's a very interesting time to be alive right now and to be educated through reading and through networking and through experiencing travel. Like I'm on board with all of those things. That's why I'm enjoying this conversation way more than you'll ever know. Cause, cause I like it. That duality piece you talked about in the beginning, basically what I heard with that and what I believe in is let's just have an open mind. Yep. Like it's that simple instead of just going for no all the time and being in our armor and being locked by all those belief systems that you're talking about that the teachers fed us or the parents fed us like those generations only knew what they knew, right? Like they didn't, they didn't know. So kudos to you for bringing up all of these, these facets of this conversation. And when you talk about duality, I'm a man of quotes. I, I don't know if it exists, maybe it do, but I feel like what I represent, Hey, college degrees and a trade is now time to adopt a duality mentality for the economy. So we got people with degrees, but they're gonna have to possibly jump into other fields to make ends meet. Um, and one thing I could say too, I have the degrees and 
behind me is my books. That's what led me driven to talk about the experience. I believe it's time, you know, it's a duality mentality for the economy because it's always shifted. I mean, even we're on this Zoom meeting right now, like the next generation, kudos to them with this technology. Uh, I will be 38 later on this year. And I'm so happy, Bobby, believe it or not, I'm happy for the old technology that existed because it really taught me critical thinking skills, you know, the library, I, I'll never forget it in kindergarten. The library librarian said, this is how you find a book. You go to this card catalog. <laughs> if the title starts with C, then you pull this long draw out. You look through the C's in alphabetical order, pull the card up, and it'll say, find on bookshelf F7. Like, this technology is great, but if the technology was to ever go down, I, I really wonder, you know, how many people would, you know, had that critical thing is to know what it was before we had the technology. And with everything, there's pros and cons. I I feel that way about trucks. Like nowadays you can have an automatic 18 wheeler. And my ex, my ex-husband's wife, number four, she's the latest. She went and got her license and she learned on automatic. And if you don't understand the principles of how to shift the truck and how it impacts hills and weather and your brakes, it's a safety thing. Like I really took big offense to the fact that they'll let people get CDLs. uh, Yeah. Like it's okay to drive it once you understand. But that's what, that's what I was thinking of when you were talking about the technology and you're right. We're, I mean, 38 and 48, I wouldn't necessarily consider in the same bubble, but you made me feel better that you knew like what the Dewey Decimal System was and all of that. Um, I think we're in like we're in the middle, you know, of of the two generations. I think we're the ones that are um, starting to think differently. And I think some of that's coming from the kids teaching us. At least that's how I feel. Oh, yeah. And I just caught a little enlightenment just talking with you this next generation i mean i'm looking forward to see what are they going to create because you know uh the opportunities is here and the technology is here I, i'm i'm waiting to continue to see what is to come from this next generation because they have i, I think each generation have more resources more opportunity than the previous one that's just to me facts you know and i know a lot of people even with my book where I talked about how I cut costs, uh, some of the comments were, Charles, that's when you went to school years ago, things has changed. And I love when somebody says that because to me, there's more opportunity today than there was yesterday. And guess what? Tomorrow, there's going to be even more opportunity than what we have right here in the present. To me, this is the age that people dreamed of, automatic this, automatic that. And yet you see the human side of us still needing something to lead us along this way of the pathway of life, you know? Yeah. So how about, um, we really got into so much fun stuff today, but are there any little bursts? Like I want to encourage the audience, anybody who wants to learn more about this, of course, grab your books. It sounds like, I mean, even if the book was $50, it sounds like, no, 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 no. But it sounds like you're giving them millions of dollars of value or hundreds of thousands. That's what I'm saying. So like, I think you could sell your book for hundreds of dollars for the return that is there. Exactly. And and there's thousands of ideas that's worth thousands of dollars uh, in it. Um, And again, with my college checklist sheet, I make a checklist at the end of the book so you can go over and see how you can save. And one interesting fact, I don't mind giving tips from the book. If a parent, maybe it's a single mother, I don't know, but I went to a college where I literally saw a custodian because she was the employee of the college, her son got to go there for free. If you are in some colleges, if you're a parent or a staff member, your child could go free or at a reduced cost. So that's what I teach people. And it don't have nothing to do with money. My books don't have nothing to do about, oh, take your money, put in the 401k, take your money and put in a 529. No, my books is not about scholarship and grant. It's about how you just use your mind to get where you want to be. And that's what I did, you know. So the book is $9.99, um, $9.99 paperback, $7.99 ebook. And I think my audio books, I even made audio books. Some people love that for $5.99. And you can go to my website and see uh, 
what I got going on and it's just easy. Um, Chadwick's, C-H-A-D-W-I-C-K-S, experiences.com. And I give more free tips from the book up there. And again, just during this pandemic, um, I've always shared knowledge. I know sometimes on jobs, people will withhold the knowledge because they're afraid that you may, I guess, take their position. But anywhere I've ever worked, I'm pretty sure if people knew me, I was always willing to give them what little knowledge I know. And I'm, I'm confident that the more we share knowledge, the more we can help people for sure. I've never been a, a person that's going to hide something under a rock and know, and knowing that it could benefit people. Yeah, I love that. I think that's part of the big shift that's going on too. And that's another thing I learned from Uncle G, like, because he's so passionate about it. He just wants to, you know, he doesn't have 8 billion hours of YouTube stuff for exactly. no reason. He just wants people to know. Um, and I don't want to forget to show your video. Would you like oh, yeah. to yeah. show that? I've made this video again. Uh, this is just a little rap music video I made to just bring more awareness. So I'm gonna go ahead and play it here. You gotta share the screen. Okay. Sorry about that. Let's share the screen. Was so motivated to share the knowledge. <laughs> okay. Boom. We're sharing the screen now, and I'm gonna make this full screen here, rewind it. I made this music video just to bring awareness. You know, if a young person can see this or a parent that loves hip hop, just listen to the lyrics and I'm explaining the whole thing about student loans. I'm talking about knowledge. You don't have to go broke while you paying for college. Six months after you graduate, student loans don't wait. Accruing the interest, checking new balance rates. You don't want to feel stressed out and lost because you didn't plan out the financial cost. Here to help you strategize, we will show you. Doesn't matter if a new student, younger, older. If you want a stress free life after college, come look. Wow. How to cut costs, you should come and get the book. Limit your debt and cut the college costs. It's time to manage and live like a boss. Don't hesitate if you're interested. Get the book now, Chadwick's College Checklist. Hey, available on Amazon now. Yeah, so that's just a little something that I made just to try to use a, a different uh, platform to send a message. You know, it's a lot of news articles out here, but this next generation, they are definitely uh, on board with music, you know. Wow, that says so much about you. That was so creative. And the video was like perfect with the lyrics. That was amazing. Oh, yeah. And this next generation, again, I'm very excited for them. When we talk about music, I don't know if you remember, hey, cassettes. I remember when 50 Cent album came out, I think in 2003. I remember going to the store and buying a CD. But this next generation is all downloaded. So I can't wait to see, you know, what they're going to do and create and make the world a better place. Wow. I really like that. I'm going to, I, I made friends with this guy called Billy DeKid. He's a rapper. Um, I want to send it to him see maybe we can okay. get him to put it on his Insta because okay. he's a good dude. I'm going to ask him. Um, cool. That was just knock my socks off. Oh yeah. And that, and that's what I'm learning to do. I really don't like social media, but Hey, this is the new way. This is the platform. And if there is a positive wave in life, I want to be a part of that wave. That's positive. Yeah, I love it. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to talk about, Charles? No pressure. Just, uh, I, I do want to give a tip out of my book about trades, because I'm going to hit you with something maybe you might be enlightened. When we typically say the word trade, we're thinking about construction, but I really believe there's going to be a new trade, but it's going to be more in the computer uh cybersecurity sector. Um, you know, it's no secret that our pipelines were hacked, I think, a, a, a year ago or so. And I think for the next generation, the young people, uh, they should really look at the IT Security Plus certification because they're on their phones and they're playing. But guess what? On the CompTIA website, there's no real age requirement to become certified in their search. They do recommend that a, a person be at least 13, but that's just a recommendation. So can you imagine this, Bobby? If a 12-year-old studies for the CompTIA uh, Security Plus exam, they can get certified 
at 13, they could start working at a computer repair shop. And by high school, they might could get on a government contract and make $80,000 right out the bat. I think if more people really knew about experience versus an age requirement versus a license, schools might have to shut down because people would start believing in their self and getting work experience and making money right off the bat. And I found that fascinating. I was talking to one of my friends who contract and he said it never occurred to him. He said if he could go back in time, he would have got every computer certification while he was in high school. There is no age requirement whatsoever to become certified. And you can go on the CompTIA website. And I found that very interesting. And that's what I talk about in my book. I give the, the yellow book, uh, Cultivated Circumstances, Experiences Priceless. I talk about how experience is priceless. I learned plumbing from my dad. Um, we weren't union. He just owned the business. All I had to do was jump in a plumbing van and go and watch. I talk about how I worked with a car mechanic after high school for free. And I learned how to work on cars. And guess what? When I went to college, I was fixing people cars and making a little bit of money, all because I learned experience for free. Sweat equity. Yes, that's that's another thing we don't talk about enough is is making the investment. Yeah, it's not always gimme, gimme, gimme. It's you're getting when you actually labor for without a paycheck, say. Um, exactly. You get rewarded later. And one thing I do like from what we talked about, Mr. Kiyosaki, the rich dad, poor dad was very ironic that, you know, the the rich dad didn't pay him. And, and that's what I'm understanding. A lot of people will say I've been on jobs. So I, I don't I don't make enough money. They don't pay me to sweep. But what I'm learning is as long as you're staying busy, the, the money is going to come. Don't worry about what you're worth. Develop a skill set and experience and you will quickly see even me writing books. I hope I inspire other people to write books and talk about your experiences. You know, experiences, prices, anything I can learn, I'm going to learn. Even if a company pays me or don't pay me, I'm going to learn it because that experience is priceless. Uh, even working with that car mechanic probably 20 years ago, just this year alone, I needed back brake pads and rotors changed on my car here in Hawaii. Guess what it costs, Bobby, out here? A lot of Hawaii is nice, but it's kind of expensive. Yeah. So, gosh, I'm a little far removed. I still think of carburetor days. So it's probably a couple hundred dollars here, but to get parts and labor there, maybe a grand? Close, yeah. The the lowest quote I got was about 550, and the highest quote was 750. But check this out. Because I had experience. Working with a car mechanic, I already knew that market was high. All I did was went to AutoZone. I bought my own brake pads and I literally shopped around to say, hey, I bought my own parts. How much are you going to charge the labor this? And I found a local car mechanic. He charged 120 bucks. So the brake pads were like 40 bucks. So, hey, to cut it down to like 290 versus paying 750, this is where experience is priceless. If people, whether you're even when you're dropping your car off the Jiffy Lube, if you know experience and they're saying, oh, you need it's time for a transmission fluid for sir. No, it's not. My car only got 50,000 miles. That's typically 100,000. Can you please just change my oil? Like I asked you, and that's it. And I've done that for free. <laughs> you know? I had to put the Jiffy Lube and say, listen, I know how to work on cars, blah, blah, blah. Just do as we actually change the oil. And I don't think a lot of people know about upselling. Everybody's trying to upsell you in life. So if you have that experience, you can at least sometimes know when it's an upsell, you know, far as purchasing something you don't really need, you know? Yeah. <laughs> us women get caught with that whole, like I have guilt, right? Like if they're telling me, then I feel like my car is going to fall apart or break the warranty or whatever. Um, so thank you for calling that out and saving some women out there. Um, oh, yeah. I have two questions. Um, okay. One is on topic and one is off topic a little, and I'm writing them down so I don't forget what the second one is. Um, so do you think, and I don't know the answer to this, but do you think it's true now? Um, there was statistics about 
the ratios, like if you had an associates, you earned say 20% more than if you didn't, if you have a bachelor's, you earn 40% more a year than someone who doesn't. And if you have a master's, you know what I'm saying? Have you heard that before? Yeah. Is that true? It's an opinion because right. It's going to vary, but I was just curious if yeah. you've ever seen it. But, but, but here's the funny thing when you, you say, is that true? I think that's where we're at in society. All the things that we've been taught from our past civilizations, parents is to the point now that we're asking, is it true? <laughs> so the fact that we're asking leads me to believe that uh, partial is truth. But the bottom line, the real truth is degree or no degree. If you're passionate, you're going to be successful. I mean, we got people on YouTube making I know a guy that he posts content videos. He made $60,000 and he, yeah. it wasn't because of his degree, because of his content. So I believe when it comes to statistics, I've had a lot of debates about this. When you look at the research of how data was collected and what age group, I mean, it, it could go on and on and on. So even for myself, what I'm learning to do is do my own uh, homework and research. And with a statistic, um, I look at statistics as just like guidelines to help us guide through, you know, because all that data now, I mean, people are just crushing uh, YouTube, TikTok, somebody selling oranges on the freeway. He could juggle the oranges and go viral on YouTube and he becomes a millionaire selling oranges. So when it comes to those hardcore data, I think a lot of things has changed, you know, even if we wanted to Look at why some kids are this and why some kids are that. Do you start with uh, a marriage between a man and a woman? Or do you now we have to do marriage between two men or marriage between two women? Adopt, was the child adopted or not? Is this uh, father the same father of all these kids? It's so many ways you can look at it when you're gathering mm -hmm. data and research. So when you said, is this, do you think it's true? I think the fact that as a society, we are asking a lot of things now, is it true, uh, is like the state of the union for the nation. We're seeing that a lot of things sometimes are true or we just don't fit in that category. Yeah, that's another great point. And, and I guess maybe that's more the message for the audience is yes. just ask the questions. Just come at it with some curiosity. Um, is it a belief because someone made us believe it? Have you heard the story about the ham, the ham in the pan? Uh, -uh I've never. All right, I'm gonna tell you the ham in the pan that I heard from someone else. Okay. So there's like five generations of um, moms' daughters, right? And they're at their Christmas dinner, and the daughter preparing the meal cuts off both ends of the ham and then puts it in the pan, and Somebody says, why do you do that? And she's like, I don't know. And she asks her mom and her mom's like, I don't know. That's what my mom taught me. So they go through all five generations, right? So they get to great, great, great grandma. And she's like, my oven was too small. I had to cut it off. So nobody asks why are they throwing away all this good meat, right? It's a good, cute little story. So yep. we start asking, why is the ham caught in the pan? Exactly. I, I like that. And uh, if I'll share, I'll counter you with a story as well. I know we're running out of time, but I'll never forget this game in kindergarten. My teacher said we we're going to play. We we're all in Indian style. She said, I'm going to whisper something in somebody's ear and I want him to tell it to the next person and the next person. You know, the sky is blue. By the time that got passed around 30 something students, the only thing that was true is the word blue. Uh, it could have been my dog, Paul, was blue. Blue was the only true original thing from the beginning. And I feel like that's where we are as society. Everything that we do, what we believe is from past civilizations. And when new people, you still got to keep some of the truth that the past civilizations or what our parents taught us. But truths can become new sometimes. And I think that's the best game I've ever played that to me explains a little bit about life as far as believing what someone else said. By the time it goes around the room or by the time a message goes a thousand years, some of that original message is going to be subtracted and people put their own spin on it. And maybe 20 percent of it's true from what the original message was.
Yeah, I wish people would apply that better in their social circles too. Uh, my rule, like you talked about um, same-sex marriage, right? Like my rule is I don't believe it's true unless someone tells me. And I don't go around asking people, are you hetero? Are you homo? Like, I don't have those conversations unless it comes up and you tell me then it's not true for me because I don't know. Um, so, and it doesn't have to be that serious, but if, yeah, I, I wish we all could just, um, major in curiosity, I guess. Oh so, yeah. So here's my other thing. And if I, um, oh, wow. I didn't realize we're having so much fun. Yeah. Um, because I found you through National Publicity Summit, I'd like to give them a shout out um, yeah, of some sort. Yeah. So do you mind? I don't even know how you guys were found. I don't really know how they found me, but can you talk about it? Sure. Um, when it comes to writing books, um, if you really want to get your message out, you will eventually learn that uh, your local news station, that could be a way. But you need to go to a platform to showcase yourself. I did my homework and research and Steve Harrison, uh, I like what he does. He really helps author get their messages out. So I went ahead and I found him. I was skeptical of it, you know, but at this point in my life, I'm understanding you must invest in yourself. And the training that his program gives to authors, he really cares and sincere about getting the author's message out. Because when you write a book, I mean, unfortunately, I, I would say this, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't have no data, but a lot of us reading nowadays, I might say it's not as with all the social media and stuff we have. Not a lot of people read. Uh, some people read, some people don't. But the National Publicity Summit was a great way if you're an author or even if you have an idea how to pitch it to the media. And that's what... Uh, the National Publicity Summit allowed me to do was pitch my ideas to the media. And that's how I met Bobby. I, we really clicked. And like she said, you have two minutes to get your points across and see if you'll be a good fit. And I'm just so happy. Uh, had it not been for the summit, guess what? We wouldn't be here. Yeah, thank you. I didn't know the lens. I was guessing it had something to do with the book. So, so for the authors out there, definitely yeah. take what Charles said. And then for the podcasters out there, or people just thinking media, about exposure. Yeah. Um, you know, I've watched Grant and Pete Vargas and all those guys do pitches. And I, and I was explaining it to my counselor this morning. I was like, I was like, I was Grant. I got to listen to the pitches, but I had been trained on that on how to hear and receive you guys. And um, because I've been in that spot, I really wanted to just help anybody that I could get on the show. But the value of this conversation um, you know, you've educated me, you've educated my office or, or my audience. Like, I just feel really good about it. And, and that's why I wanted to give them a little accolades. Um, so thank you. I'm, I'm so oh, grateful yeah. I got to meet you. Same here. And I'm happy that we're on the same guy, Grant Cordon, great motivational guy. And one thing I wanted to say that he said that to me is true. He said, if you live in America, you're not getting the right information for success because I've seen it with my own eyes. Foreigners come to the United States and within two years or so, they're successful because they know the opportunities that exist here. So I agree with Mr. Cordon on that. If you live in America, you have to get the right information. This is a lot of opportunities here. And if you just look around, foreigners are successful because they understand the opportunities that are here. And it could be because of, you know, what we were programmed to not uh, believe, but you know, finances, money, passion, you know, you can get to your destination multiple ways. It doesn't have to be through a traditional way. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I guess we'll end there because that was such a high note and, and you, you wrapped it up beautiful. Charles, I hope to see you again. We'll have to do something. I'd love to have you on the show with me and Caleb because I think you would be fun on the real and raw. We just, okay. we don't have a filter on that one. Um, okay, great. It's such a pleasure to meet you. And I'm a little jealous here in Hawaii. So I'll just get it through osmosis from you. And, and guess what? I know we're short. I'm here in Hawaii based into uh, construction and security. My apartment's paid. I got a company car. Uh, I'm getting meals per diem. So trades, you can travel around the world for free and let a company pay to have you there. 
Beautiful. That was an awesome tip. All right. Well, thanks so much, Charles. We'll see you again. All right, Bobby. Thanks for having me.